Well, good morning. Welcome to Sun Lake Community Church. My name is Aaron Scantlin. I'm the worship pastor and youth pastor here. And while John is away on his sabbatical, uh, different ones of us are getting an opportunity to preach. And we are continuing in our sermon series, Battling Unbelief and the Different Sins and uh, things that we deal with and we believe um, that just aren't true and that are pulling us away for what God has for us. Uh, so let's, let's pray. God, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for um, your revelation, your, your showing us and teaching us what it means um, to follow you, who you are, and... Uh, God, we want to open your word this morning, and we want to hear from you. We want to know how to battle this unbelief, these doubts that we have, and these things that linger in our minds that are pulling us away from you, and, and use your word to point us back towards you. So God, speak to us this morning through your word. In your son's name we pray, amen. Apathy. Homer Simpson seems like uh, the only things that he's passionate and excited about are Duff's beer and junk food. But anything else that is worthwhile, that has value, that is hard at all, he's thoroughly apathetic. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from The Simpsons uh, is with Homer and Lisa and Homer's depressed, and uh, Lisa walks in, and she's horrified. Dad, you're drinking motor oil. And, yeah, but what are you going to do? Gug, 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 gug. He just keeps drinking motor oil. Um, I, I tend to uh, use this line a lot with my family. Don't eat that. It fell on the floor. Yeah, but what are you going to do? Yeah. That chicken's been sitting out on the counter all day long. Yeah, but what are you going to do? Maybe it's just with food with me. I don't know. Uh, but apathy is more than just being lazy, right? It's not just about laying around on the couch. If, if you want to get in shape, but every morning you choose not to get up and you just stay in bed, you're just being lazy. But if you're out of shape and you don't even care, that's apathetic. That's when you've... You kind of passed into that, that other stage where you just don't care anymore and you're just stuck and you've given up. So what are some of the reasons for apathy? What, what are some of the ways that, that we're kind of drawn into that and we get stuck? Well, there's comparison. You know, we, we look around and we see somebody else. And we're like, man, he's awesome. Like, I'll never be as good as, as him. And, and we give up. We don't even try. Like, uh, I'll never be able to do that. Or there's despair. You know, we've lost our hope in what can be, where we can get to. And so we just we become apathetic and we we're, we're just can't get up off the couch. We're just in despair. Sometimes there's sin. There's something going, in, uh, going on in our life that that other people don't know about and we're struggling with and 
we, we don't share with our accountability partner and we just feel that shame start to kick in and, and we feel like we're not able to, to do what God has called us to do because we're just stuck in this sin. Or maybe it's regrets on, on sins from the past or something that you wish you would have done that you didn't do and you get stuck and you're just repeating, repeating that in your mind and, and you, you just give up. And past failures, just getting stuck there in things that you did in the past and you just can't move forward. Or maybe uh, David said in Psalm 72, he was grieved. He was embittered. You know, something's happened to you and, and you just give up, you know. It, it just, it's too hard. You become bitter and, and you stop. You stop moving forward. And then once you get stuck in apathy, you get stuck in this inactivity, what does that do? It decreases your energy now you just start getting into this cycle of inactivity because you're, you're down, you're on the couch, it's even harder to get back up. Now you get more apathetic and more, more inactivity. It's just, it gets harder and harder and harder to get started. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's see what God has to say about this in his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 24 through 26. If you're looking it up on your device, you can just go to uh, the Sunlight Community Church app, and the first thing that pops up is a picture of the Bible. Just click that and hit read the Bible. It'll take you right through to our uh, UVerse event, and it's got all the verses on there for you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 26. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. So let's take a look at this. Right here at the top. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So run. It doesn't say if you run. It says so run. We're in a race. We need to be running. So we need to run to win. In the world, in, in the natural realm when we get in a race, you know, in, in races, there's eight people at the starting line. Only one of them is going to cross first. There's only going to be one winner. And as it talks about here, they're, they're racing and they're fighting and they're working towards being the, the victor of that. But that's not the case in the kingdom, right? The kingdom is upside down. It's, it makes no sense to the world because in the kingdom, everyone can win says right here in, in the second part of verse 24, so run that you may obtain it, that you may obtain it. We can all win the prize. So what is that prize? Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
to hear from the Lord. You did it. You followed my ways. You followed me. You were part of my family. But uh, we need to set goals, right? We, we're not going to get there if, if we don't have a goal that we're aiming for. And when you set a goal, you have to define that goal or you, you won't get there. So what's the goal? It, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not about self-awareness or self-improvement. It's about moving towards what God has called us to do. And we need to be self-controlled as well. Let's look at verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. In all things. So when, when you're training for a race or a fight or whatever it is that you're competing in, uh, you've got to watch what you eat. You've got to not stay up too late. Uh, more and more studies are talking about how important sleep is to what you do. Not wasting time on things that are not advancing you towards your goal. They sacrifice to do all these things to be able to run. They sacrifice a normal life in pursuit of a gold medal. Or as it says here in this verse, they do it to receive a perishable wreath. Back in, in the Roman times when they would compete um, and in Greece in the original Olympics, you know, they had those, those wreaths uh, that were just made out of leaves and stuff and they'd go on their heads. How fast is that going to shrivel up and die? I mean, they're, they're sacrificing everything that many of us just... Uh, love to do, the comforts that we have, uh, to, to get a wreath on their head. Just to have somebody say, you won. Woohoo. You know, gold medal that will only last for this life, but has no eternal value at all. But we're not fighting for a perishable reward or trophy that's going to end up in a box in our attic. No, we are fighting for a crown, an eternal crown that will last forever, that we can take that crown and we can throw it at Jesus' feet and we can say, you know, you are worthy. You are glorified through what you did through me in this life. And, and that's not gonna go away. That's, that's what we're, we're in for. Not just something here on earth, but something that will last it's, uh, it's like Notre Dame. Anybody seen the uh, Notre Dame? It's not a poster. It's like a sign that they have at the bottom of their steps from the football locker room as they're heading out. It says, play like a champion today. And when they come down, everybody, each football player touches it or smacks it as they go on out to, to like say that to themselves, to reiterate that. Play like a champion today. We're going to go out there. We're not just going to go and, oh, let's play football. No, they're, they're going to play like a champion today. And that's the sort of attitude that we need to have. We need to be expecting to win, to, to fight. And Paul says here uh, in verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. We shouldn't be aimlessly training, you know, or, or not really training at all, and just swinging punches in the air, but not actually preparing ourselves. We need to be intentional, and we need to train as if it really, 
really matters, because it does. Um, so, warning, we're about to show some shirts of men, uh, some men without shirts on. Uh, so, when I was in high school, I was 15, and I saw the movie Kickboxer by Jean-Claude Van Damme. And this movie was awesome. I loved it. Uh, you know, he, without telling the whole story, he, he trains and ends up over in Thailand and is doing this martial art. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew that's it. That's, that's what I want to do, you know. In, in every town, no offense to anyone who does Taekwondo, but in every town, it doesn't matter how small there is, there's a subway, there's a Methodist church, and there's a Taekwondo dojo. And um, I did not want to do Taekwondo. It, to me, it was just punching the air. It was just learning your, your moves, and then when you memorize enough kicks and punches in a certain order, you got a new belt, you, you progress in the thing. And that has some value in training kids and doing different things, but that's just not what I was looking for. You're doing martial arts. To me, it's like, if you're punching, you should be hitting something, right? I mean, what's the point of hitting the air? Uh, so eventually, I found out that what he's doing in Kickboxer is Muay Thai. Muay Thai is the art of the eight limbs, it's called. So you've got your punches, your elbows, your knees, and your kicks. It's, it's using your whole body, and it was developed by the Thailand's army. So if they lost their weapons, they'd have something vicious to fight with. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> so, I, you know, of course, I looked around. How many people have even heard of Muay Thai before? A couple, right? Have you heard of MMA or cage fighting? More people have probably heard of that. Muay Thai is the part that they do when they're standing up before they go to the ground to start wrestling and tweaking each other's arms. I don't want to do that. You can punch me in the face all day long. Just don't twist my arm. I'm out. But uh, so nobody's heard of it. You don't see gyms anywhere. I was very sad. I was in despair and had lost hope that I would ever find a place to train. But we were living in Nashville, and I was 31 years old. I'm driving along the road, and Sarah and I love Thai food. And I see, ooh, a new Thai place. Uh, we should go there and get some dinner. And then a, a few minutes down the road, like, it was still processing in my head because, you know, when you're not expecting something, you can't see it often. And uh, it finally registered in my mind. That didn't say Thai restaurant. It said Muay Thai. So I immediately did a U-turn. Went back down, pulled up. I'm like, did it really say Muay Thai? Did it really say Muay Thai? I get there, and here's this sign that says, coming in two weeks, Muay Thai gym. Yes. It only took me 16 years, another half of my life, to get there. So, um, I don't know. I was really excited. I went back several times before two weeks was up. I didn't know how long two weeks meant to this guy. So, finally, it's open. I come in, and, I sit, and Rocky was the owner of this gym. I said, Rocky. I do websites, I do graphic design, I'll make you a logo, I'll print you out some business cards, I'll make you a website, like what can we do here? Can we barter something out? And he was like, yeah, you can come in all you want, anytime we're open for a year. Sold. All right, let's do this. So I started coming in uh, like four times a week probably. And uh, you know, have you ever had something, uh, like in school we make kids do a lot of different things, it's like, all right, I played badminton, I did volleyball, whatever. And then sometimes you do something and it just clicks. It's like, ooh, yes, 
This is what my body was made for. Like, I physically can't play baseball. I'm terrible. I have really tight shoulders and arms, and you have to whip the ball. My arm doesn't go any further back than this. I can't play baseball. But Muay Thai, it just made sense. I'm like, here, I thought this is what I wanted to do, and confirmation, it is what I was made to do, right? Muay Thai. Uh, So I started going four times a week. Uh, It was so much fun. I loved it. Uh, I even lost eight pounds in three months, and I was just enjoying it, right? But then eventually, uh, after training for three months, it was pretty funny. I actually kind of looked a lot like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, So that was cool. All right. That actually was not me. I I realized I was kind of plateauing, and what I needed to do was what I was afraid to do. Because, see, at the gym, there were two types of people at the gym. And, and not just two types, you know, oh, the eight guys at the gym, right? No, there were two actual categorized people at the gym. There were the people who came to train and work out, and there were the fighters. And the fighters had their own area that they trained. They got extra time with Rocky. They got extra training. Uh, to know exactly what they were doing, the right techniques, and I wanted to be over there, right? I wanted to be on that side of the gym, but that would mean I had to take a fight. Um, So finally I realized, you know, I'm just going to kind of keep doing what I'm doing if I don't take a fight. And then eventually we found out we had to move home to Warsaw. I'd only been training three months. We were going to move in two months. Uh, it's a little ridiculous to take a fight when you've only been training for five months and you're 31 years old. But in that same sense, I was like, I've got to do it. Like, when else am I going to get an opportunity? I'm already 31 years old. I've got to take this fight. When I go back to Warsaw, there's not going to be a trainer. I don't want to take a fight without a trainer. So this next picture is my actual fight, fighter poster. Uh, I, I moved over to the other side of the room and started training. And guess what happened? My intensity kicked up, I don't know, 20 notches. Not just to the next level. Like, ah! I have a fight on the calendar. Tupelo, Alabama. We're going down. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, and, and normally in Muay Thai, you fight in a ring. But here in America, it's mostly MMA fighting. So I was going to fight in a cage. So... You didn't know one of your pastors was a cage fighter, did you? But I am. And uh, so I, I started, it was like all the ridiculous things. I just watched all these um, montages from different movies about the, their exercising and stuff. I put on a hoodie sweatshirt. I don't recommend this. They say don't do any of these things. But put on a hoodie sweatshirt, bought a trash bag, and cut off the arms and stuck my arms through it and running around in the summer through Nashville. Uh, I ate, for two weeks, all I ate was cabbage soup. Uh, by the end, it started tasting like the soles of your shoes. It was disgusting. But, uh, so I had lost eight pounds in three months, but then I lost another 36 pounds in two months training with this goal in mind, with this fight, you know, and part of it was the fear of like, I've got to be ready for this. I need to know what I'm doing. And the other part was I had to cut weight, you know, it, I, I forget what I started at, 44, 258, 
And I was supposed to get under 210 pounds, which is super heavyweight, 210 and under. Uh, so I was a little bit over that. So I'm working and working and working to, to cut weight and get down to weight. And it was awesome. I'm so glad I did it. Spoiler alert, I did not win. Uh, the guy I was supposed to fight pulled out two weeks later, and I ended up with a 24-year-old kid who had been boxing for five years and was six foot four. Uh, so I, I didn't have much chance. But I was really glad that I did it. It was a great experience. Um, and, and here's the thing. We are in a fight. We're not just training. We're not just working out and doing it for fun. We already have a fight on the calendar. We're in it. We're currently in the race. And so we've got to get up. We've got to get up off the sofa. We've got to get into the game. We've got to, I know this is a whole lot of sports analogies, but that's what Paul keeps talking about, fights and races. In all these passages we're going to look at, we're in the middle of something and we've got to fight for it. We've got to move forward. We've got to get off the couch. David said there were 75 to 80 rounds, right? We've, we've got a few years here on this earth, and we need to make the most out of them. So runners, take your mark. Fighters, are you ready? Fight. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look at 13 and 14. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. We'll start partway through here. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Straining forward for what lies ahead. So what does it mean to run the race? Is it just being a good Christian or, or getting better? No. How do we actually get to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant, when we get there? Well, it's, it's actually multifaceted. So Jesus commanded us to do several things. The first is the great commandment, right? Love God, love people. We gotta love God well because he first loved us before we can love those around us. And if we can't even love those around us, how can we say that we love God? But we gotta love God, we gotta love our neighbor. And then Steve said last week, there's also the new commandment, which is actually different. It's not just a reiteration. We gotta love each other. So we've got to, to love the people in our church family here, and we've got to let them love us back. We've got to love each other. We've got to let them know about what's going on in our lives. We've got to let them know when we're hurting and when something, we're struggling with something. Like, we can't help unless we know what you need, um, and that's difficult for a lot of us. It's difficult to feel needy or, you know, to need to ask somebody for something, but I don't know anybody who cares about you who doesn't want to help. So we got to let each other know. 
And then there's also the great commission that Jesus gave uh, right before he went back to heaven in Matthew 28. He told us to go make disciples and teach them God's ways, right? We're supposed to be teaching the people that we tell the good news uh, about all the things that Jesus taught his disciples. That's what he says. Teaching them all the things that I taught you. So you remember the four chairs that uh, Tom Bernardo talked about? You know, maybe you're in that first chair and you just, you're not sure who Jesus is. Maybe he was a prophet, whatever. Uh, he was a good guy. He had some nice things to say. Or maybe you're in the second chair where you're saying, uh, I want God to do something for me. Like all those people who showed up for miracles, they wanted a meal, they wanted healing, um, but they didn't really want Jesus. Or maybe you've moved to that third chair where you're saying, God, I want you to do something in me, not just for me, but in me. I want you to change me. Uh, but sometimes we, we get stuck there on just like, you know, help me. I've got these things I'm dealing with. You know, make me better. Uh, change me, God. We got to move to that fourth chair of seeing God move through us where we're not just, you know, learning what God has told us, but we're now going and we're reaching others, we're telling others about it, and we're teaching them. So all, uh, the context of uh, 1 Corinthians that we just looked at, Paul is talking about how he's going to become all things to all people that he might reach some. He will do whatever he can um, to connect with people and to be where they're at, uh, not faking it, but just trying to use his own experiences to meet somebody in a way that they can understand so he can share the good news. The whole context is trying to give the good news to everyone. Um, so what do we notice about these things here? We're to love God and love people. We're to love each other. We're supposed to go make disciples and teach them God's ways, right? All of those things are focused outward. They're not focused inward. So it's implied here that before you go and teach somebody, you got to know it before you teach it, right? So it's implied that we know what God's word says and what it is that we're supposed to do, but we can't get stuck there. Now, no matter, I, I don't know what chair you're at today, but it's easy wherever you're at to get stuck there. Or maybe we finally make that move to the next one and we're excited, and then after a while... You know, the, there's this uh, mindset of like, I did it. But then we feel like we've accomplished it and we want to just stay there. And after a while, apathy kicks in and it's, it's too hard to move to that next chair. Um, so we need to, to just get up. We got to get up and go. You know, there's, there's times when I'm sitting on the sofa or sitting in a chair and I need something and it's all the way in the other room or it's upstairs and I eventually just talk myself into not caring. Eh, I don't really need it. I don't want to get up. You know, it's such a small little thing. Or, or there's something I know I need to do out in the yard or I've got to go fix something, you know, or... I need to go pick that up, or I need to go talk to somebody, you know. I need to talk to him on the phone. And you just get stuck, and pretty soon you just sort of 
write it off in your mind like, I don't care. Because uh, we, we get stuck in this mindset. Uh, we think about how difficult the whole thing is. You know, the how do you need to eat an elephant one bite at a time? You think of the entire elephant. You think of this huge project you have to do. You, have, you think of having to talk to this person. And, and so you never start. And you get stuck. Uh, but I found personally, and again, just in the silly things, like needing to pick something up out of the other room, instead of thinking of what I have to do, I just think about getting up. And it's embarrassing to say that it's hard for me to actually stand up and, and move, right? But it, it's something we struggle with. And, and if I just do that, if I just think, stand up, and that's my only goal to think about, then I can stand up. And once I'm standing up, it's really easy to go do the thing that I need to do. It's, it's much easier. So we got to get up. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, uh, we're just going to look at the first two verses. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus ran the race, and he prevailed. He was victorious. He's already won. He's given us an example of what we can do. And in fact, he's even given us his righteousness if we just accept his grace. So we've won. We just need to live out of that. We can't ever work hard enough or train hard enough to uh, be worthy. Well, if you come in the top three, then Jesus will let you into heaven. That's not what this is about. And it's different for each of us. It's just that God is calling us to use the gifts that he's given us not the gifts that he's given somebody else. He's called us to, to be who he's made us to be for his kingdom. And, you know, when you look at Ephesians 4.11, that he's, it says, and he's given some, it means Jesus has given some to be prophets. Uh, and, sorry, I skipped apostles. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And we're each made differently, and it says that the church, the body, needs all of those different things. All of those put together make the body. We can't just have one part, an ear, an eye, or a nose. We need all those different ligaments even holding the whole body together and making it unified and one. And, and so we need you as a church. We need each other. We need who God has made you to be to make sunlight what it's supposed to be. It's not just about a couple people who are talented or don't get nervous when they're up on stage. It, this is just, uh, being up on stage for me is just how God has wired me, who he's made me, and so this is part of what I'm supposed to do. Uh, but there's lots of other things that we need in the church that our community needs that we're supposed to be doing to share and help others. And so it's not just about everyone helping in children's ministry or everyone singing on stage. There's so many different ways. And however God has created you, that's how you need to be moving. 
So this is a marathon, right? That life is not a sprint. It's not just a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. So how do you run a marathon? You got to get off the couch. And then have you guys heard of the uh, couch to 5K? Uh, there's, a, there's a plan out there for people who don't run at all but want to run a 5K. If, if you think... I should do it. I should run a 5K. If you go outside the next day and, you know, you buy shorts and you get some shoes and I'm going to run. I'm going to do a 5K. It's ridiculous, right? You'll, you'll get like a quarter of a mile and then you're like, I can't do it. You look like Chris Farley from Tommy Boy. <laughs> and, then, and so you just quit. Not just that day. You quit. You don't do it. So uh, couch to 5K is a plan that just says, okay, first day, go out there. And just walk for five minutes. And the next day it's like walk for 10 minutes. And then walk for 15 minutes. And then eventually you walk for a little while. And then you jog for a little while. And then you walk again. And breathe very heavily. And, you know, eventually you get to the point through that that you can run a 5K. And the same thing. You start training 5Ks. And then eventually you can do a half marathon. And then eventually you can do the marathon. So we need a plan. And it's got to have simple steps that just keep moving us forward. This one attainable goal at a time that we're moving towards. It's just that initial decision and that goal, I'm gonna stand up, I'm gonna get off the couch. And then when I can get off the couch, now I can think about my next goal, it's much easier. So we need to go and find a team. We need a team, we need a church. And we need a coach, a pastor. We need a trainer, a mentor. We need teammates, a running mate, a a godly friend in our life. We need equipment. We need our Bible. And we need a uniform, a a funny Christian t-shirt that we can wear. Uh, Jesus is my hombre. Just kidding. You don't need a uniform. We all look different. Um, That's fine. Actually, I was loving it today. Danielle was over here, and she's dressed up and looks wonderful, and Sam was over here, and she's wearing her Jesus Saves Bro t-shirt, and I love that t-shirt. It looks awesome. Uh, But even on stage, just in the worship team, totally different. Come as you are. Be who you are, and I think that's great. Um, But really, we need a church. We need a pastor who's, who's... teaching us and looking out for us and and praying for us is responsible for our spiritual lives. And we need mentors in our life who've gone before us and who've done those things and that we can ask, hey, I've got a teenager now. What does this mean? Now what do I do? You know, I've got a new baby. Like, how do I make it through this? Um, You know, I'm going through this difficult time and I, somebody told me that that you dealt with this too. How do I get through it? And we need godly friends too, ones that we can just um, be real with, who won't, won't be upset, you know, and, and think badly about us, but also won't just let us get stuck in apathy. We'll kick our butts when, they, when we need it. You know, I, I know I can trust Bill to uh, make sure that I don't get stuck. And Aaron, stop it. <laughs> that's what he'll tell me. In fact, he has before. But, you know, we need those people in our lives, and, and we need God's word. We've got to be in God's word. We've got to be praying that, 
prayer and worship music is spiritual warfare. It is battle. We're in a fight, and we need to be fighting. And we got to cut out the things that are hindering us. We've got to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us right here in Hebrews 12. We've got to do whatever we have to do to throw these things off. All these different things that we have are wonderful ways, wonderful tools, and things that God has given us to be able to help us with that, to to run every day and pray, read God's word, and and then also making a plan. We'll just move aimlessly with things, and it's way too easy you know, you're, you're reading the word every day, and then you go on vacation, and you kind of forget because you're traveling, and then other things happen. And pretty soon you're like, Man, when was the last time I read God's word? It's been like two weeks. You know, it's really easy to just sort of fall out of, out of a routine. So we've got to have a goal. That's why um, the Bible reading plans, there's thousands of them probably. There's certainly hundreds in the Bible app. Um, and also there's actual Bibles you can buy that read through the Bible in a year. You know, when we do those things, then we've got a reminder. We've got something that we're working on that we can just keep moving through, and it reminds us. Or we do it with a friend. I've, I've got multiple people here in the church that we're reading through something specific each week, and it's awesome. Then you can get back together, and you can talk about that, right? And you, those questions that you have, or things you're interested in, you know, or things that really stick out to you, you can share. So make a plan. So what's hindering you right now in your life? Are you stuck in despair or something from the past that you can't seem to get over? Uh, Are you comparing yourself to others and just feel like you don't live up to that person, that guy, that girl, whoever it is? That mom, oh, she's perfect. You know, we talked about this with uh, social media. You only see the perfect little pictures. Or even the, the pictures of the mess. It's like, oh, it was so crazy, ha, ha, ha. You know, while you were, like, yelling at kids in real life. You know, what are you doing? It happened to us yesterday when Rocket was supposed to go get his pull-up uh, so that we could get his PJs on. I come back in the room about five minutes later, and... Every piece of his and Hezzy's clothes was over the entire room. It, I don't know. How long did it take us to pick it up? At least 15 minutes. It was ridiculous. You know, so we, we see these things of the, you know, this mom who does all these different things and she's in the PTO. It's okay if you're in the PTO. But I'm just saying, uh, they're in the PTO and they are doing all these sports and their kids seem so wonderful and they also do all these things in the community and uh, we're not called to measure ourselves by somebody else. Everybody's bandwidth is different. Everyone's gifts are different. Um, And so you should be using those and doing what God has called you to do. But what is it that's hindering you? What is it you're stuck in? So this week, maybe you need to talk to a friend about that. Hey, this is, I'm stuck here. Maybe they can help you. Maybe you just need to say it. And then, what goals do you need to set? 
What are some tangible things that you can do this week to set a simple goal that you can attain to just be moving forward to being more like Jesus each day on that journey towards being perfected? We won't get all the way there here on earth, but we have a choice to either get stuck and sitting on the, on the couch, or we can get up off the couch and we can move towards Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your son and what he's done for us, for his sacrifice that's made it possible for us to be with you um, and to be more like you, God. You, you want to spend time with us. You've invited us into your family. It's so amazing. Uh, but you want the best for us. And you, you've given us gifts. And we, we recognize as parents that we love it when our kids, uh, when they use the things that we've given them, especially when they use it to help others and do things where we're filled with joy. And God is filled with joy when we use the gifts that he's given us. So God, we just pray that you would draw us towards you and that we would get up off the couch and move towards you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.